0: The grocery store boom is poised to live on even as the pandemic fades and restaurants begin to open to full capacity. Americans keep stocking up on groceries. And McDonald's is set to roll out a rewards program next month in the U.S. and change up their menu pricing structure. So this is something that investors have wanted for a long time at McDonald's. Crane's reporter Ali Maradi joins me with more about the Chicago-based fast food giant.
1: They want to speed up the drive through times by being able to push order suggestions to so people, get them to order stuff ahead of time and just pull in and pick it up.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, June 23rd. They called, Win Trust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at WinTrust.com slash DailyGist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Cranes reporter Ali Moradi here to talk about Chicago-based McDonald's. So they're apparently rolling out a rewards program in the U.S. in July. What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah. So it's going to be rolling out July 8th. They've already been testing it in some cities. And then if it's not at your participating McDonald's, it'll be rolling out to more and more as time goes on. Kind of like Starbucks, where you buy something, you get the points, you get enough points, you get free stuff, right? So pretty easy for customers to use and you know, pretty incentivizing. So this is something that investors have wanted for a long time at McDonald's. Um, it encourages customers to basically get online with McDonald's, right? So basically McDonald's can get more information on them. They'll interact digitally and that will result in more personalized data-driven experience for these customers, which as we've talked about on here before is something that McDonald's really wants, right? Like they want to speed up the drive through times by being able to push order suggestions to people, get them to order stuff ahead of time and just pull in and pick it up. All of that kind of starts with this loyalty program.
0: And will this be rolled out to franchisees and corporate locations equally, or is that in two phases?
1: I think it's equally, just depending on you know the franchisee thing. was always dependent on franchisee participation, basically. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen a number of how many restaurants it's out it's going to be launching at July 8th, so we'll have to follow up on that.
0: And so July 8th happens, it's pretty much going to be everywhere all at once, or is it in phases?
1: So it's already at some locations, they have kind of been testing it a little bit, and then It's going to be in phases from what I understand. Most places, July 8th, you're not seeing it there. They're saying it will roll out to more as time progresses.
0: So earlier, Reuters reported that restaurant chains, including McDonald's and KFC, a couple others, were going to be paring back on their, their kind of their value menus and value items on the menu and instead going for kind of boosting more expensive, bigger kind of family style combination meals. What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so this is really interesting, right? And it's go this is going on at all restaurants, not just fast food restaurants, where the cost of operations are up, right? There's inflation going on right now, costs more to hire people, prices of meat are going up, and, and that is, you know, forcing restaurants all across the board from your fancy steakhouses down to McDonald's, right, to kind of raise their prices. Um at the same time, customers have some money to burn, right? They, a lot of them have stimulus money. We saw that really in like the first and second quarter that kind of boosted sales. And then a lot of them have just, they have a lot of savings in their pocket from staying home during the pandemic, not eating out as much. So basically these restaurants can get away with the raising prices and not have customers revolt too much. You know, it's really interesting. I interviewed um, a meat supplier in the Chicago area a couple of weeks ago, and he was sort of telling me this same thing that, for a long time, if you look at fancier restaurants, steakhouses and stuff, that's who they serve, this uh, meat supplier serves. They build in the price fluctuations of meat, for example, because it's a commodity and prices change. And so they'll make desserts more expensive or look to get margins on alcohol, that sort of thing, so that they don't have to raise prices up and down as the market fluctuates. But he sort of said, you know, it, the prices have been up so high for so long, those days maybe you're over and the prices of meat on menus is going to go up and that people are just going to have to get used to paying more when they go out to eat. And it seems like it's sort of the same thing here in fast food chains. The other thing that's sort of interesting is that some really popular menu items these days are premium price menu items, right? So if you look at the crispy chicken sandwich that McDonald's rolled out, these chicken sandwich wars that are going on, but really across the board, everybody has one of those offerings and they are more expensive. You know, at McDonald's it's $3.99 ish, depending on the location for a crispy chicken sandwich. And that is a lot more than like a, you know, something off the dollar menu. Um, So if those chains can get restaurants to or to get customers to repeatedly make those purchases, that's really good for their margins. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where you're seeing it on both sides, it's something that the restaurant operators want. And it's something that the consumers are willing to spend on. So that could potentially be really good for these uh, restaurants. But At the same time, like I said, prices of operation, the costs for them are going up as well.
0: All right. Well, we will uh, stay tuned for everything coming from McDonald's. In the meantime, what else is coming up on your beat this week?
1: So I'm writing about a restaurant that is reopening. And this is something that we're tracking at Cranes, kind of just, you know, the reopening of things, whether it's event spaces, restaurants, literally everything. So this one, I broke out into its own story because it was a little bit you know, more interesting than just a regular reopening because it's this restaurant called Eden and they were based in Westtown, kind of known for like their greenhouse garden area that they grow a lot of vegetables and fruits and herbs and stuff and that they build their menu around and they closed permanently last summer um, just as a result of the pandemic. And the reopening in this space um, in Avondale along the river, it's going to allow them to double the size of their garden, double the size of their patio. There's a nature trail nearby. So it's just kind of this vibe that's outdoorsy and naturey. I think it's interesting for several reasons, right? Like number one, it just kind of plays into this desire that we all developed during the pandemic to be outside and to be around nature and get some peace and tranquility. This company that owns them, they're also a catering company. So they're moving their headquarters there too. So giving, you know, they're going to build a meditation room for their employees and just allow them that like outdoor space. So it's kind of interesting to see that restaurants are leaning into this. Like, first of all, some of them are being resurrected in new forms, and the new forms that they're taking, so interesting. From a real estate perspective, too, I also find it fascinating because that it's going to be off Roscoe, um, kind of just east of California Avenue, right there along the river. And that stretch of river has really seen a lot of development in the past couple of years. Um, it's kind of just north of Metropolitan Brewing, which has – that big patio they've recently built out along the river. There's a new dock there for kayak launching and boats and that sort of thing. And then it's also just across the river from that park kind of by Lane Tech that just opened that big new serpentine pedestrian bike bridge. So it's kind of interesting, I think, to see the river getting developed in different spots besides downtown. And this is just one more way that that's happening. So that's something that I'm sort of going to pay attention to it's not the restaurant isn't set to open until November. So I'm not it'll be next year before people can enjoy kind of the summer along, you know, on their patio. But it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when it opens.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. I'm glad you're tracking all that and seeing where restaurants are landing and where people are popping up. Well, thanks so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Allie.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Coming up, U.S. airlines and their unions want the Justice Department to send a strong message against the sharp increase in unruly passengers with additional federal criminal charges. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Here's a great way to stay in touch with Crane's Daily Gist. Subscribe to the Crane's Morning Ten. It's our daily newsletter featuring the 10 biggest stories of the day. To subscribe, visit Chicagobusiness.com slash morning ten. This is the Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. Supermarket prices are going up and restaurants are opening back up to full capacity. Yet data suggests that American shoppers keep on stocking up on groceries. Grocery sales accelerated in late May and in early June, according to Nielsen data cited in a Morgan Stanley note. And that's despite restaurant revenue growth turning positive for April for the first time during the pandemic. Meanwhile, supermarket prices are up 15% on average versus pre-pandemic levels. And more than a third of Americans said they're still buying more groceries, with only 8% saying they're still buying less. That according to a survey from researcher Jungle Scout. Analysts expected robust grocery store sales to go down as the year progressed and as vaccinated people returned to offices, restaurants and travel. The numbers can't be explained by inflation because grocers are also returning to their practice of discounting, which partially offsets the price hikes that they're taking elsewhere. Two-thirds of people said they're buying the same number of grocery items each week as they did during the height of the pandemic. That according to a survey conducted by market researcher Civil Science on behalf of Bloomberg News. Yet one reason for the sustained boost in grocery sales is that online ordering has made it much easier for shoppers to buy more, with curbside pickup and home delivery taking away the hassle of schlepping groceries through the store and waiting in a long checkout line. Around a quarter of adults say they do all or most of their food shopping via e-commerce, up from 14 percent last year, that according to Coresight Research. GM and Ford are locked in an electric vehicle spending race. Detroit's two largest automakers, General Motors and Ford, have spent most of the past year making one big-ticket electric vehicle reveal after another, from the GMC Hummer and Cadillac Lyric to the F-150 Lightning and e-Transit van. The two automakers also keep trying to one-up each other's plans to invest billions in EVs and eventually shift away from internal combustion engines. Ford's Lincoln luxury brand last week committed to four battery electric vehicles by 2030, while GM promised two additional U.S. battery plants as it raised its EV and autonomous vehicle investment to $35 billion through 2025. And that followed Ford's pledge of $30 billion towards EVs several weeks earlier. But Ford's latest investment builds on its 2019 investment of $500 million in Rivian Automotive. The moves also show the company's growing belief that the industry is headed towards an all-electric future and that not adapting could prove to be fatal. GM CFO Paul Jacobson told reporters on a conference call last week, quote, EV adoption is increasing and reaching an inflection point. He continued, we want to be ready to reach the capacity that we need to meet demand over time. Chicago-based software marketing tech company G2 has raised $157 million, pushing its valuation to $1.1 billion. The company, founded in 2012 by software entrepreneur Goddard Abel, has raised $257 million altogether and has more than 400 workers. And it's also the latest in a string of fast-growing Chicago tech companies to reach unicorn status with a valuation of more than $1 billion. The company provides free crowdsourced reviews on business software to technology Buyers. It sells subscriptions to software makers that allow them to add customized content to their profiles to obtain data about companies. Abel says that G2 will use the new funding to invest in the product, particularly adding more AI to improve its recommendation engine. The company has amassed more than 1 million reviews across more than 2,000 categories of software and plans to hire more data scientists and engineers and add to their research team. The latest investment was led by Permira, a London-based and included the venture capital units of Salesforce and HubSpot as new investors. Early Chicago backers include Pritzker Group Venture Capital, Hyde Park Venture Partners, and Chicago Ventures. Airline carriers in the U.S. and their unions want the Department of Justice to send a strong message against the sharp uptick in unruly passengers with additional federal criminal charges. Several airline trade groups and unions sent a letter on Monday to Attorney General Merrick Garland asking for criminal enforcement that goes beyond the increase in civil charges filed so far this year by the FAA. The groups said in the letter, quote, The federal government should send a strong and consistent message through criminal enforcement that compliance with federal law and upholding aviation safety are of paramount importance. The FAA says it has been aggressively acting against people who violate federal regulations. It sought more than $300,000 in fines in more than 20 cases. The agency said in a statement, The FAA's zero-tolerance policy remains fully in place, and we will continue to work with local law enforcement and the DOJ to make it clear that unsafe and unruly behavior simply does not fly. And for reference, according to the FAA, there have been almost 3,000 reports of unruly passengers on flights this year, which is a dramatic increase over previous years. The agency has attempted to find dozens of people, many of whom refused to wear masks. Federal law makes it a crime to assault or intimidate airline pilots or flight attendants, though violations have historically been handled with non-criminal civil prosecutions by the FAA. The organizations behind the letter include Airlines for America, which is a trade group for large carriers, the largest U.S. flight attendant unions, and groups representing other airlines. And that's Cranes Daily Gist for now. Our continuous news feed lives at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to our guest today, Cranes reporter, Ali Maradi. Be sure to subscribe to these conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your on-demand audio. And find hashtag Cranes Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and let's continue talking there about these and other business stories. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.